0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: If everybody could just open up to the book of Nahum, as we know God's word is active and sharper than any two-edged sword and the Bible said it cuts down to the very core you know the very core of our being and that there's no book from Genesis to Revelation that doesn't have or shouldn't have some impact on us for whatever reason whatever we're going through one of the things if you weren't with us last time I'll recap chapter one in a couple minutes but as we look at this three chapter book, it's one of the books in the scriptures that show that God is very concerned with individuals, with cities, and with nations. That hasn't changed. If you look at chapter 1, verse 1, there's a burden that Nahum had, and Nahum's Uh, Name means comforter or comfort of Yahweh. And you and I know that the only way we find any kind of comfort is in Jesus. There's no other place that we can go that's going to be true comfort. Everything else would just be temporary comfort. So there was a burden on Nahum and he had this vision, a very heavy message. And it was against Nineveh which was located in Iraq. And it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was magnificent. The uh, city itself was huge. It would take you, you would enter the gate, it would take you three days to get to the other end of the city. This was the same city that Jonah preached to. But Jonah went there to warn them and they repented and you remember there was a great revival. Well, this is a hundred years later now, the same place that Jonah went to. Nahum tells them he didn't go there. It was a vision and it was sent to them. He didn't deliver it in person. One of the things as we study this book Understand that nations will be held accountable to God. Nations have been held accountable to God. Nobody will get away with anything in the eyes of the Lord. He will deal with every person, every city, every nation that was either righteous or unrighteous. Nimrod was the founder of the city of Nineveh. And if you remember, Nimrod was the one who was behind the building of the Tower of Babel. Again, this book is a vision of this prophet Nahum, what he had, the vision that he had. They think that Nahum was from the region of Galilee, right around the Sea of Galilee. And Jonah was in that same area too. So here were two prophets from the same area possibly, that were addressing Nineveh. Most likely, this book was written while Nineveh was in tremendous power. They were on top. They were the top dog in the world. One of the messages in the book is that everyone who sets themselves against God will end up receiving his vengeance. Sometimes people don't like to look at our God as a vengeful God, and we'll look at some of his other attributes too, but understand that this book is, or this vision was written against a rebel nation, a terrorist nation, a nation that dealt with their own people and Other people viciously, barbarically. The chapter one also spoke about one of the Lord's, some of the Lord's characteristics besides anger and vengeance. As we know, he's slow to anger. He shows mercy to sinners like you and I, or like anybody in the world. Talks about how he's great in power. But understand that this should be something that helps us to trust in him a lot because he's so powerful. But understand that too, he judges with power also. Just as he shows his mercy and his power, he also judges in power. It says in chapter 1, he will not acquit the wicked. Every sin will be paid for and it will be paid for in one of two ways, in hell or at the cross. The only two ways sin can be paid for. Talked about how the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, that he can use anything to his benefit. There's nothing, he has his way in any kind of natural thing. He's in it, somehow. We also saw how his fury is poured out like fire. Even though God is slow to anger, when He runs out of His long-suffering and patience, there's fury, there's disaster. Spoke about how the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Spurgeon said, there is an end to all our griefs one day. There's going to be an end to all the griefs, all this stuff that we have to deal with, It's going to end someday. It's temporary. Not so for those people who do not have a relationship with our God. talks about how trust is something that we get out of a relationship with our Lord. It's not something earned. It's something that He allows to happen. As we draw close to Him, He will draw close to us talked about the overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place. That even though he's slow to anger, he's not going to look overlook sin and rebellion forever. It's not going to go unpunished. It will be punished eventually. In chapter 1 we saw in verse 14 how the name of Nineveh will be not around anymore. And it isn't. You don't hear about it anymore. And the only way you hear about it now would be in biblical studies or back in the mid-1800s when they started in archaeological digs find in the ancient city of Nineveh. Now let's take a look at uh, what we're going to get into tonight, and that's going to be chapter 2. What I like to do is first read it and then go back and pick out some of the nuggets that the Lord put on my heart in the study of it. So we're in chapter 2. Again, remember this is a vision of Nahum to Nineveh. Verse 1 of chapter 2. He who scatters has come up before your face. Man the fort, watch the road. Strengthen your flanks. Fortify your power mightily, for the Lord will restore the excellence of Jacob, like the excellence of Israel, for the emptiers have emptied them out and ruined their vine branches, the shields of his mighty men are made red, the valiant men are in scarlet, the chariots come with flaming torches in the day of his preparation, and the spears are brandished. The chariots rage in the streets, they jostle one another in the broad roads, they seem like torches, they run like lightning. He remembers his nobles, they stumble in their walk, they make haste to her walls, and the defense is prepared. The gates of the rivers are opened and the palace is dissolved. It is decreed, she shall be led away captive, she shall be brought up, and her maid shall lead her, as with the voice of does beating their breast, though Nineveh of old was like a pool of water, now they flee away, halt, halt, they cry, but no one turns back. Take spoil of silver, take spoil of gold, there is no end of treasure or wealth of every desirable prize. She is empty, desolate, and waste. the heart melts, and the knees shake, much pain is in every side, and all their faces are drained of color. Where is the dwelling of the lions and the feeding place of the young lions? Where the lion walked, the lioness and the lion's cub, and no one made them afraid. The lion tore in pieces enough for his cubs, killed for his lionesses, filled his caves with prey and his dens with flesh. Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. I will burn your chariots in smoke and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth and the voice of your messengers shall be heard no more. Individuals, cities, and nations. Individuals, cities, and nations. The Lord knows them all. The Lord said He knows each of us intimately, that His thoughts of ours are as like the bass as the sands of the seashores. Think of our world today. Think of our own nation. Think of the immorality in our nation and in the world. Think of the sex trafficking. Think of the abortion. Think of the violence, the violence, uh, brutality in families. The abuse that goes on, physical, mental, sexual abuse that goes on in our country and throughout the world. When we read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, it is a love letter to us all, but primarily it's to Israel and those who support Israel. Throughout the scriptures, Whenever God wanted to deal with Israel because they turned their back on him, he would use the surrounding nations to get their attention. Nineveh, of course, was one of them. And we'll talk about the other nation who is coming after the Assyrian nation, of which Nineveh, of course, is the capital. But my question tonight, for one of the questions tonight is this. Where is the United States of America in the whole realm of God's plan for Israel? For our lifetime, we have been very supportive of the nation of Israel. But it seems in the last several years, as a government, we are giving Israel a hard time. Not a good thing to do. That's a no-brainer, if you have any knowledge of the Scriptures. For God blesses those who bless Israel, and He curses those who curse Israel. So my thought is this, what is going on with our country now? Are we one of the nations that are giving Israel a hard time to bring Israel back to repentance and to recognition of Jesus Christ as their Messiah? sort of gives me chills to think about that in context of the nations that have been used throughout history to do that very thing. We had corporate prayer tonight, and we need to be men and women of prayer, not only for Israel, but more importantly for our nation. Our nation is in trouble, spiritually speaking. Dire trouble. Probably worse than at any time in our history. In verse 1 it says, He who scatters has come up before your face. Man the fort, watch the roads, strengthen your flanks, fortify your power mightily. In that verse, in that one verse... It's saying, he who scatters has come up before your face. Remember who this letter is being written to. It's being written to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And it's saying, he who scatters has come up before your face. That is speaking about the Babylonian Empire that God is now using as another chess piece to remove the Assyrian empire who has kept Israel under its thumb for so long. But notice what God says, almost in a mocking way, to the Assyrians, man your fort, watch the roads, strengthen your flanks, fortify fortify your power mightily. Because, see, they were the main nation. Their, Their pride was in their power their pride was in their chariots, in their army, in their wealth. So here in this vision, Nahum is saying, passing on to them, go ahead, man the fort. Go ahead and watch the road. Strengthen your flanks. Fortify your power mightily. Go for it. And we'll see what's going to take place here. And I want to try to emphasize that first verse. I think it's almost a mock that he's doing. Go ahead, do what you, have to, you think you should do to maintain your number one position in the world. Keep being barbaric. Keep being, going to your temple of your idols. In verse 2 For the Lord will restore the excellence of Jacob, like the excellence of Israel. Remember, at the time, Israel as we know it back here was divided into two parts. Israel was the top half, and then you had Judah, the bottom half. Okay? So that's why you see here in verse 2, Nahum saying, The Lord will restore the excellence of Jacob like the excellence of Israel. Now we know Israel as one nation, one state. For the emptiers have emptied them out and ruined their vine branches. Now, we're going to see that the Babylonians are going to come in to defeat the Assyrians. But they will also take Israel as captives. Because the hearts of the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, haven't turned to God. Okay? They're in rebellion. They're still in rebellion today. Okay, God isn't finished with Israel and some churches, okay, believe that the church is the new Israel. That's garbage. There's nowhere in scripture that is. I don't care if it's a Calvary church, the Catholic church, the Protestant church. God has not forsaken the people of Israel. He's grafted you and I in to make the nation of Israel jealous. And one day when the last Gentile receives the Lord, he's going to turn back that attention to Israel. But understand right now as we're speaking here tonight, as we're here gathered tonight for the Bible study, that there's Messianic Jews, thousands of them, thousands of them over in Israel right now. Something's happening. Something's taking place, and it's awesome. Verse 3, The shields of his mighty men are made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. The chariots come with flaming torches in the day of his preparation, and the spears are brandished. This is referring to right here Babylon again. Remember, Babylon is going to be the nation now that's going to come down to defeat the Assyrian armies and the Assyrian nation. So the shields of these mighty men are red. They made them red. But as they're coming into battle, it's going to look like blood as they come rushing in to fight the Assyrian army. In any warfare, in any sport, the psychology of battle, of, of the game, is to try to weaken your opponent. These guys were masters of it back here, just with their weapons. The shields of His mighty men are made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. And back then, scarlet was a sign of wealth and prestige, part of their power. They were rich. They were ready to make a move on this nation that had been the top dog for so long. The chariots come with flaming torches in the days of his preparation and the spears are brandished. I thought of uh, the movie Gladiator that I'm sure many of you saw. Remember the opening scene against the Germanic tribes. Remember when they did the catapults and all the arrows, the millions of arrows that were going. It looked like a nuclear battle was going on when it hit the trees and set everything on fire. It was like unbelievable. I never even thought of that kind of warfare, especially when you see the picture on the screen and how it looks so magnificent. Well here these chariots are just um, coming with flaming torches. So picture thousands or hundreds of chariots at night with torches just coming, out, coming after you as the enemy and how it must uh, would unnerve you to see all these chariots and all the fire Coming like flame and fire, just coming at you. Trying to picture the scene here. Verse 4, the chariots rage in the streets. They jostle one another in the broad roads. They seem like torches. They run like lightning. Just really causing the speed. Just the, um, the noise of these chariots just racing into battle. What that must do to an opponent who maybe is not expecting this type of intensity and numbers and size and magnitude. Verse 5, he remembers his nobles. They stumble in their walk. They make haste to her walls, and the defense is prepared. couple things here, I think, from a defensive point of view. They're coming against Nineveh. Now remember, these walls of Nineveh are 100 feet high. Some say 30 to 50 feet thick. Three chariots can go side by side among the roads on the top of the walls of Nineveh that encircle a three-day's journey. 1,500 towers are on top of the walls of Nineveh all around. Picture 1,500 towers are all around the walls of Nineveh. Now they're being attacked from a defensive standpoint. Verse 5. I'd be stumbling too if I saw all these people coming at me inside the walls trying to make haste to put a defense up against them. I also look at verse 5 as the people that are attacking. They're on a mission. They're going after it. They're the Marines taking taking the beach. And just bumping into each other and just going crazy, trying to get to their objective. Verse six: The gates of the rivers are opened, and the palace is dissolved. Sennacherib was the king of Nineveh, of Assyria. He was a just like any dictator just like anybody who's puffed up in pride and arrogance, like a Hitler or a Mussolini. He thought he himself was like the God. And he even defied the gods or the God of Israel. He would defy them or defy him. And one of the things that took place was the gates that were the river would go under the gate. And this became one of the things that was washed out. And the armies could go in under the gate of, that was washed out and actually attack the city. Remember, Nahum, this is a prophecy at the height of Nineveh's power. He's predicting all this was going to happen because God gave it to him you and I have the advantage of looking back and you can go into the history and find out that this is exactly what happened. Because our God is a God of prophecy. The same thing he said was going to happen here and the prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled are going to happen just as he said. Verse 7, it is decreed, she shall be led away captive, she shall be brought up, and her maidservant shall lead her as with the voice of does beating their breast. One of the things that took place when a kingdom was taken over, they would go after the queen. And this is talking about what was going to take place that the queen would be captured. She would be led away captive. She would be brought up into a new kingdom and her maidservants would just be beating their breasts in agony. Going down to verse 8, though Nineveh of old was like a pool of water. This is something that's not a positive thing. This was like a a little puddle of water that's going to dry up. It's useless. It can't be used for anything. There's no use in this pool of water. though Nineveh of old was like a pool of water, now they flee away. Halt, halt," they cry, but no one turns back. Remember, this was a major uh, world power. Now people are fleeing to get away from the Babylonians, and the people and some of the people, the soldiers saying, "Halt halt, But people are taken off now. They no longer trust in their mighty armies. The fear that's going inside of them is coming up here. I think we can see it not only in the queen and her maidservants, but throughout the whole kingdom. Verse 9, Take spoil of her silver, take spoil of gold. There is no end of treasure or wealth of every desirable prize. Remember, this was the top nation. Their military might their financial wealth. The Babylonians were told by their leaders, hey, whatever you find, take it. Take all their gold. Take all their silver. Plunge this place. Take everything out. Make it there, There's nothing here. One of the cool things in all the archaeological digs with Nineveh, they find parts of the city They have yet to find any gold or silver. When these guys took spoil of it, they didn't miss a coin. There's nothing yet that's ever been found in the digs of the gold or silver. Verse 10. She is empty, desolate, and waste. The heart melts and the knees shake. Much pain is in every side. And all their faces are drained of color. Title of tonight's message is Hearts Melt and Knees Shake. That's the terror that the Ninevites felt as a result of this army invading. But I like to take it now from a nation and a city to an individual. Thank you, Jesus that all of us in here have heard of the wonder of His grace and mercy of sending His Son down from heaven to live on this earth 33 years to set an example for us and then to throughout the Old Testament to show us how we fall so short of His perfect standards that we're sinners, all of us, None of us are not sinners. And yet, he sent down his son to die on the cross for every single one of us. That any one of us who put our trust in his crucifixion and the payment of our sins through his blood, and we believe in his resurrection from the dead, we're saved. We're saved. We will never know this heart melting and knees shaking. Yet every single person who has denied Jesus Christ or has rebelled against Jesus Christ will one day stand before Jesus Christ for a short amount of time before they're thrown out of his presence forever with a heart melting and knees shaking. That is heavy stuff, everybody, that you and I will be able to smile and embrace our Jesus We'll run to him. He'll have his arms open wide. But there's going to be people that will not be able to stand in his presence. They will tremble and they'll fall down. They'll wish that they would be dead rather than be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Dear people, we are here for a short, short time. History. Think of how many centuries, how many thousands of years have already passed. And right now we're in 2015. How many of us will be here in 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years or less? There's no guarantee. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. We're here for such a time as this that we allow our God, that we have an absolute surrender in our hearts that we allow our God to pour out His Holy Spirit in and through us that we can impact at least one person so their hearts never melt and their knees never shake. A hundred years before this, there was a tremendous revival in Nineveh. Do you know what that means? That means that the children and grandchildren of those people who repented Didn't follow what their moms and dads and grandfathers and grandfathers believed. And they went their own way. They they were given a chance. The end of their chance ends here with Nahum. It's over. It's over. The nation, the city destroyed. You and I will never stand in God's presence with a heart melting and knees shaken. Yes, we might be here, we might be in a park, we might be driving and hear a song on a radio, and our hearts melt out of love and compassion and adoration for Jesus Christ. But this heart that's melting is destructive. It, it's terrible. There's no place for them to go. Their knees are shaken. It's over. They've come to their end. All their faces are drained of color. Wow. Talk about shock, right? At an accident or something, or you see something horrendous and you feel like you're going to faint. What do they do? They lie you down so the blood gets back into your upper extremities and you get your consciousness back. People that are going to be lost are are going to be conscious, more real than it's ever been in their life and they're going to know that they've blown it. But there's still time. There's still hope as long as there's another breath in that person. Verse 11, Where is the dwelling of the lion's And the feeding place of the young lions, where the lion walked, the lioness and lion's cub, and no one that made them afraid. The lion tore in pieces enough for his cubs, he killed for his lionesses, he filled his caves with prey and his dens with flesh. The Syrian Empire, one of their emblems was the lion. Ours is the eagle, Russia's is a bear. England, I think, is the lion also, the emblem of a country. The people in dictatorships, the people who think that they're ruling the world out of their little office, they make tons of money, usually at the expense of other people. The Assyrian Empire, the the king of Assyria, his family ate better than anybody else in the kingdom. They were clothed better than anybody else in the kingdom. Just like a lion took care of its lioness and its cubs. They never had any want. There was no want. Everything was taken care of. But notice in verse 13, Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. I will burn your chariots in smoke and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth and the voice of your messengers shall be heard no more. Everything that was their power, was their name, was their prestige, was being prophesied of being taken away and there was nothing they could do about it. You and I should never ever be in a position or we never want to be in a position where we take for granted our salvation. We've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We should never take that for granted. And God forbid we ever go back to our old way of life where we return to our vomit. For God is long-suffering. But notice what he's showing us here in the second chapter of Nahum is there is a vengeance. There is a judgment coming. We're going to stand in the judgment. There's going to be people that are going to be melting and knees shaken in the judgment. Bible says there shall be a lawless one whom the Lord shall consume with the breath of His mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of His coming. What we looked at in chapter 2, of course, is Nineveh and the king of Nineveh and the royalty of Nineveh and the nation of Nineveh. I mentioned a Hitler before or a Mussolini. You think of some of the rulers today, right, in our world that are just as vicious as these people, that have killed thousands of their own people. They're building bombs to nuke the world if they don't convert to Islam. We live in a very volatile world. But understand that God's day is coming and we win. No more grief, no more pain, no more sorrow. we got to keep our eye to the finish line and understand that that same God who has his way in the the storms as Jesus showed us when he walked on the water of the Sea of Galilee during the storm is the one who rules our life he has control of everything that goes on in our day in our week, in our month let's pray